Welcome everyone to Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. We had a open this weekend that we got to watch. And I have to say, just having that one weekend off in between, I missed it. I was like, come on, I got to have the cornhole action. And Black Friday, we got another TV, another 32-inch TV. So it sits next to the big TV. So we watch football, we watch cornhole, living the life, living the dream. Hopefully everyone got to watch it. <laughs> we're going to talk about it today. Uh, we're also going to talk about the pro teams recap that we had at open number five news around the league. We're going to get into the Australia open a little bit buy or sell and look at the pro teams power rankings to finish up with our hot takes. Trey, I saw you were out of town. What was going on? Yeah. So I had a, a good opportunity. So, you know, I, I think I've alluded this to this a little bit, but, you know, taking on a little bit more of a different role for 2024. And part of that is overseeing uh, ACL high school and ACL college. And so we have a growing relationship with the big 12 conference. So I had an opportunity to go out to Dallas for their big 12 championship. Uh, I didn't go to the game, but we held an activation um, at some different fan fest experiences uh, at the Big 12 Championship. So just interacting with fans. We had two pros out there. So we had Justin Duke and Miranda Coy. They were, you know, interacting with with fans and getting cornhole bags in their hands. And we gave away some some free bids to the National College Cornhole Championship. And it was, uh, it, it was a good time. So I brought the wife along with me. So she got to do some Christmassy stuff in Dallas. So, um, but overall it was, it was, it was a good time. Um, you know, it was good. And, and, um, you know, that relationship continues to get better. We're trying to get more and more and more schools bringing on cornhole as a sport. So it's, uh, it's baby steps on, on activations like that, but no, it was a good time. Um, cornhole, we tried to watch as much as I could football, tried to watch as much as I could as, as I was go, go, go. So I, I caught a decent bit of it, but I, I, I certainly didn't get to catch everything. How about you, Anthony? Uh, another basketball weekend. You know what? You know what I'm starting to see is like this whole my life, my personal life with my with my kiddo uh, Anthony as well. He goes by LA. It's it's running really a lot of parallel similarities to what's going on uh, in the American Cornhole League. So. Like what we talk about with the juniors and the mindset, you know, we're starting to go through that with LA, you know, um, like this past weekend, he was in another tournament and they're down by 12, 14 points going into the second half. And I told him our best are, there's three players on the team that really kind of carry the weight on that. The other two guys were out. So he's by himself. And it's like, it's like what we talk about with these players and the mindset and, and what we talk about in partnerships. And it's like, here's an opportunity to bring a leadership level uh, to the game, you know, really help pump the other guys up, come out and, and show the team what it takes to win. And I've never seen him more confident um, in a basketball game than he did in that second half. You know, you know, we talk about, you know, the ability to shoot airmail without, without thinking about it. He's he, his game is pretty well-rounded, but he's a hell of a shooter. I've never seen him shoot the three pointer with more confidence quick to the trigger, catch and shoot like I've ever seen him do. And and he showed out, um, he hit, I think it was five of seven three-pointers in that second half, as well as getting to the hoop, creating plays. Um, we ultimately lost it, but it's like, it's the same thing, you know? It's like you learn from your losses. He's got a tryout tonight for an international team where they'll go to Italy. We're talking about Australia and these young talents traveling international. So we're talking about that. Um, but it's like, I'm starting to like, these things that I'm carrying over all these discussions from, from cornhole into his basketball life. And me and the wife were just sitting down going, 
you know, this psychology thing is real. We, we, we talk about this within the cornhole world. We see the parents of players like Braden Wilson, um, Fisher Hamilton. I really like how those parents handle these young athletes and how they're really focusing on the mental side of the game. And I, I want to take something out of their book. And it's like, I wish I could take the knowledge that you have, uh, Mish, in, in the psychology of things and, and somehow translate that uh, to LA. But I just know X's and O's. So I'm really trying to to learn. Actually, I just bought him for Christmas, um, you know, the Mamba mentality nice. book. You know, it's just like, yep. I, I don't know. You know, like I'm just starting from scratch. I don't know. So I'm going to try different things. So I welcome any advice you have kind of moving forward. Yeah, and I love the fact that we can use sports as kind of teaching opportunities for these other concepts of psychology and mental. Like when I work with cornhole players on their mental game, it's like the things I'm teaching them are things I'd want to teach everybody, you know, mindfulness, meditation, understanding your body, like negative thinking, like that's just great lessons to have, right? Like, so it's so cool that we can use this sport to get that information in or whatever sport they're into. Um, and we do the same thing with Rome with jujitsu. So um, it's so it's really cool to use it that way. All right, let's get into the open that happened in Richmond, Virginia. Um, what a weekend for Ethan Walker. The sweep. When's the last time we had a sweep? I was trying to remember. I turned to you, Trey, for that. Yeah. Yeah. It was Hicks, if you right? include a, yeah, if you include a blind draw, I think it's gotta be like Hicks. I mean, okay. I know I know we've had some sweeps of singles and doubles, but like I'll, I'll be honest, we don't track blind draws the same way that we do. So yeah. like off the top of the head, it's got to be Alex Hicks back in, what was that, 2021? Yeah. Yeah. So big, big weekend for Ethan Walker. Congrats to him. Takes down singles. Caden Allen, very impressive as well in second. And doubles, Ethan Walker and Alec Ryan. And uh, second place, Jordan Power and Joe Neistead. And then for women's, Bella Soprenant. Welcome back, Bella. Seniors, Damon Dennis. And juniors, Jacob Gore. Uh, so great, great cornhole all weekend. Uh, Trey, what would you like to chat about? I know you didn't get to maybe see everything in detail. So uh, what do you want to touch on? Yeah, well, first I'll talk about the big winner of the weekend. That's got to be Ethan Walker. Uh, I know Anthony is going to add some some flavor here. But I'll just t touch on something. And, and something that I continue to reiterate is that you win by executing your style of play to the fullest, okay? Anybody want to take a guess at Ethan Walker's combined PPR across <laughs> singles and across doubles? Yeah, I only know because I dug into it, but uh, Mish, go ahead. I, I would imagine crazy. it's low. <laughs> it's a 9.15 oh 9.15 ppr he went 17 and 2 and across all of those events he only threw a 29 percent four bagger and i say only but i mean still 29 yeah. four baggers and a 0.56 dpr so it's not as even if he was you know killing i always tell people sometimes everybody wants to look at dpr 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 how many times have we had this discussion right and it's like if you have a lower PPR, it is going to be difficult for you to have a high P, a high DPR because your opponent has to bring themselves down such at a low level in order to execute. So really, the best way to explain it is just going to be by how defensive the game looks. And as the game grows, there's going to be more statistics, board percentage, right, percentage of bags thrown as a block, you know, 
things of this nature that that I think are really going to enhance the game down the road once you know there's there's officials at every single court type of thing. But the fact of the matter is that the point I want to make here is that Ethan Walker against a really stout field. Yes, there were some a good bit of top players missing, but it still felt like a really solid field as far as an open goes. He comes in, muddies up, plays a defensive game, executes the role at a high, high level, and ends up winning both singles and doubles and the blind draw, sweeps it all, has his his best weekend in the history of his cornhole career. So he was able to do that playing the game in a way that he knows how to execute it. So I think that's really interesting that not everybody has to be a you know hybrid player like I still to this day think we'll see in some tournaments your bag runners win some of these tournaments they're not going to win all of them your hybrid players I still think will take the majority of the tournaments but even on the flip side that we see all the way at this end you're going to see Ethan Walker and and players like him um, because I think he's even more of an extreme than say like a Fisher Hamilton like I thought Fisher Hamilton in a way would be about as defensive as you would get when you talk about winning at a high level, Walker is even more so uh, down that end of the spectrum there. So really, really impressive uh, to see Ethan Walker. Other things, um, you know, how about Mike Hoffman? Um, kind of out of left field, a pro that's been around for a while. He has won um, state level tournaments before, but really never had that opportunity to break out beyond the state level. I thought that was really impressive. I got to give a shout out to Adrian Johnson and Leston Allen. Yeah. This was a doubles team that um, I always found myself rooting for, but always doubted their ability personally to take that step to execute at a high level. And I just said, Ethan Walker goes 17 and two. One of those two losses that he had across singles and doubles was to Leston Allen and Adrian Johnson. And I think, um, you know, we know how much Adrian Johnson is grinding on the social media platforms, right? But that's starting to translate a little bit into higher level of play. And I'm excited to see if Allen and Johnson can continue to build on their performance today. Jordan Power and Joe Neistat, for me, uh, really showed out. Uh, I, they really impressed me this weekend. They did not get the win, but they made it all the way to the finals. I think this is, is a little bit of a validation for me that I needed, right? Because Jordan Power obviously comes off of playing with Jay Rubin, one of the best teams in the world, at one point were the best team in the world. And when you pair up with somebody different, you wonder how that dynamic is going to go. To me, I don't know if they're quite Jay Rubin, Jordan Power level yet, but I at least saw some validation that this team can be one that can compete at a really high level at the end. Uh, the last is probably just a mention about Caleb Hurt. Caleb Hurt continues to be a top-level you know, amateur player, one that could be an ACL pro, is not an ACL pro. I think someone that throws at a very high level. Every time they come to Virginia, he is from Virginia. He seems to, to place really well at this event. It's, it's a little bit uh, – it's a bummer that we couldn't see him compete in a pro field. I think this is someone that has a potential that would compete. And if he could, and if he does become a pro next season, I think would be someone that would contend – for that rookie of the year type of status. So that would be someone I would look for in the future. Overall, though, the weekend ultimately belongs 
to Ethan Walker. It absolutely does. Anthony, what can you add? Yeah, a lot of Ethan Walker. Uh, you know, one of my favorite memories of Ethan Walker, if we go back it, almost a year ago, because we're rolling in to Myrtle Beach here for New Year's. If we rewind to New Year's last year, I had I sat down, I had a conversation with Ethan Walker. Knew the face, didn't know the name, and it was fun. I, I can't remember how it ended up on Facebook, but something went around, and I remember Ethan Walker like, dude, we had a conversation in Myrtle Beach. You don't, you don't remember me? And I was like, who's Ethan Walker? That is exactly what I put on Facebook. And that's the beauty of this sport we're in. You know, we have so many, so much talent that continues to grow. And it really, it's, it's a regional familiarity, you know, and it's great to see a player like Ethan Walker go from somebody who, who's Ethan Walker to now sweeping at an open with the, with the style of talent he has. So that, that's a fun memory I have of Ethan Walker. And, you know, one of the things I like to do when I'm at the opens, when I'm at the shootouts, when I'm at the nationals preparing to go on these broadcasts is I like to get my content getting on the boards with the players. You know, I mean, sitting down and doing an interview will only get you so far, but I think you really get deep. You really get into What's going on at the player level when you get on the boards with them at 730, 8 o'clock in the morning when the doors open and you throw bags with them. And I'll remember a moment I had uh, with Ethan Walker and it wasn't long. We threw bags for maybe 10, 15 minutes, um, you know, and and, and I'm I kind of eyeballed him as an, a guy I thought and I try and target people that I think could break out. Uh, you know, we show up to a shootout. I think these three players could make it to a final. So I make an effort to get over and warm up with them, talk to them. Throw bags with them. What bags are you throwing? How are those playing? Where's your game evolving these days? What are you working on lately? That way, you know, you can take that information into the broadcast. And I remember turning to Ethan Walker and I was like, let me throw these, let me throw these bags you got. And he was throwing the cannons at the time. Oh my gosh. It, it, it reminds me of the Tony Smith uh, combats, right? These things do not move when they hit the board. And I think that there's something to be said about that pedigree of a style player, a player that learns to play this game with the stickiest, slowest two speed bags, and then eventually evolves to slinkies. And we're seeing that right now with Tony Smith. He's had the ability to develop the game. He knows how to throw a flat bag. He knows how to manipulate and shape shots. And now when you throw these cheater bags in their hands, they still have the capability to bring those other shots, but take advantage of max whole friendliness. And Ethan Walker is falling in those exact same footsteps of a pedigree. And that's why a month ago or so I've kind of put myself out there and said, Hey, watch out for Ethan Walker to do what Tony Smith did. Watch him to turn into a 49th ranked player and possibly be a top 10, top five player in the world because he has that pedigree and he has that talent. Now I think what's next for him Going back to how we opened the show is developing the mental side of the game. If I go back to Myrtle Beach, one thing I remember about Ethan Walker, when he made a great shot, what does he do? He looks at the commentator booth. He looks at the crowd. He's looking for some type of validation or some type of pat on the back, you know. But now you look at Ethan Walker, he's more focused on the game. He's really building that mental side. He makes a big shot. He buckles up. He goes down and he gets ready for his next shot. He misses a bag. You see him nod his head, and he's like, all right, okay, that's fine. I'm going to come out of here with a 10, and I think that's the next step for Ethan Walker. Uh, really proud of this guy, and, and it's not a surprise that he's doing what he's doing. Um, but just to mention some other ones coming out of Ethan Walker, how about Caleb Hurt? 
Caleb Hurt just like Ethan Walker. There's a lot of people watching this po podcast that might go, who's Caleb Hurt? Well, we in the cornhole world know who Caleb Hurt is. Another talent that hasn't made his way to the pro division. And there's so many of these guys out there. And, you know, we're starting as we're turning over each year. We're kind of that bottom half or that bottom 25% of the talent pool is falling off. And we're pulling in Ethan Walker's. We're pulling in guys, you know, uh, that like maybe a future Caleb Hurt. We're replacing this with insane level talent. It, if you kind of look, what does the ACL look like? What does professional cornhole look like five years from now? It is scary. I mean, it is scary. It's going to be full. I think it's going to be full top to bottom with Ethan Walker's, Tony Smith, Mark Richards, those style of talent. Um, and that would be amazing. Another one. Let's Since we're on this theme, let's throw out Jackson Remick. He takes third place in his bracket. Another player who, if you're not familiar with him regionally, you'll go, who is Jackson Remick? Well, Jackson Remick is another Ethan Walker, that same pedigree, throwing two speed bags to build uh, skill, to be able to sh shape shots. Now he's pulling that together, and we're starting to see a Jackson Remick continue to show up. Kingsbury making moves. He makes it to the king seat, going through Clemmer, Sorrells, Birchfield. Shibner, another one. I don't like it. Remember that pick from the draft? I don't like it. Well, guess what? Shibner showing out. So I think that there's overall theme. Spencer Fabianar. I mean, the names continue to go on. We keep throwing these new names out there, and you're like, who the heck are these people? And they're continuing to show up deep in brackets. If I could just close on the PPR, DPR discussion, because I think it's unique. Uh, you mentioned Ethan Walker's overall. <clears throat> His bracket-winning PPR was 20th in the list list with an 8.7. Let's go to the other bracket. Caden Allen wins his bracket with the 10th best PPR, an 8.5. He held his opponents to an 8.55. He was also in the 8s. Uh, Mike Hoffman held his opponents to an 8.67. He was barely a 9, really the only one showing what Jeff McGregor likes to see, that bag-running talent, was Devin Harbaugh, who threw a 10.43. But guess what? His opponents were able to throw up above a 9.8. So if you want to go into a game and say, I'm going to run bags, you better be prepared to throw a high 10 if you think you're going to go deep in a tournament. If not, you better figure out how to do the other side of the game. Um, but how about, just to close it real niche, how about that 46 in a row bag run uh, by power in doubles. I and mean, what's crazy is you looked right next to him. He's throwing against Gavin uh, um, Cano. Uh, and I think it was right around 40 in a row. And you go, Jordan Power's thrown 40 bags in a row. How many points has he scored? Two. So Gavin Ham or Cano uh, uh, was right there with him, who had thrown 39 of 40. Um, so that's, that's kind of where the talent is going this league. It's starting to get. It start. I'm loving that the pros are starting to separate themselves from us, just average, advanced level players. And I think we want to see that. We want to see these pros really start to excel their game to where there's no question of who's pros in a match and they really show out. So I'm excited about how this one turned out. Fun tournament. It was, it was. And if I could give Ethan Walker any advice, slow down. I mean, if that kid just slowed down and was breathing, I think it would change his game. <laughs> I love those matches, though. Like, it's just, it's go, go, go. You know, uh, the same thing with Harbaugh-Gore. Do we ever get a match between Gore, Gore and Harbaugh that isn't amazing? And the pace that they're going, I mean, I'm just like, this is, this is what's up. This is what's up. Like, it's so much more fun to watch at that pace. I'm sorry.
Yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and I think there's a difference between like mom, like uh, being in the pocket and having speed, and then being a little erratic and having speed. So there you go. That's my two cents. All right, going into the pro teams recap, we had the Florida Freeze uh, against the Georgia Sliders. They win three to zero. So starting with Alan Rawls and Chris Kingsbury out of Florida, defeat Ryan Smith and Noah Wooten, twelve to eleven. Matt Sorrells and Blaine Rozier from Florida defeat Cameron Velvet and Tice Cobb, eighteen to four. And Chad Fisher and PJ Knott from Florida defeat Duncan Clemmer and Josh Holland 10 to 9. Reminder, these are 10 round limited, which I forgot for a moment when I was watching it. Um, so definitely changes the game. Uh, another uh, team's matchup was the Carolina Coasters versus the Virginia Cutters. The, the Cutters win 2 to 1. Landon Bass and Justin Stranger of Virginia defeat Jamie Graham and Frank Maudlin 8 to 7. Berkeley Pear and Trevor Brooks from Carolina defeat Jacob Gore and Michael Dingus 18-9. And Travis Graven and Lesson Allen out of Virginia defeat Eric Davis and Chad Hunt 14-12. So some crazy stuff there. Uh, surprise events there for that one for me. But no surprise with Florida. I mean, right, Trey? Yeah, I was going to say a couple of things that stand out to me. One, Florida is who we thought they were. Uh, yeah. They come out absolutely swinging. And literally setting a lineup, Alex Rawls goes, ah, my foot's still not 100%. I'm going to sit this one out. He could have played if he needed to. This team wow. chose to sit Alex Rawls, and they still go 3-0. Um, I thought that was interesting. So the freeze are absolutely loaded. Um, then I look at the sliders. Anthony's looking a lot more right than me right now. I was high on the sliders, and – Look, you can't even take a game. I mean, we talk about Duncan Clemmer and Josh Holland can't win a game. You got to win that game. You got to win that game. Yeah, I mean, that that hurts bad um, when you don't win that one. And then, obviously, when you have Ryan Smith and No Wooten going up against, you know, a really strong team in Rawls and Kingsbury, it was like 10 to 9, I believe, or whatever. It was a point, a point difference on the final. So, like right. – that one I'm actually not too upset about and can't be too worried about. I think that's a good showing, but man, I got to see more out of, I mean, PJ Knott and Chad Fisher can't be beaten Duncan Clemmer and Josh Holland. I know we're early in the season. We got time to look through it, but that was interesting. And then I don't know if I should be more disappointed with the coasters or excited for the cutters for now. I'm going to say excitement for the cutters, right? The cutters are above 500 ladies and gentlemen, they are above 500. I think this is a team that's going to have an underdog mentality all year. And I think they're going to be fun to watch actually, right? Stranger and Bass get the win over Graham and Modlin, which I think is another issue that I don't like that they are not. You got to win that game. <laughs> you got to win that game. Yeah. I, I And and again, and then Graven and Allen, again, going back to Leston Allen, they come back and they get a big win um, there at the end against Eric Davis and Chad Hunt, right? So I think that one is, I think the cutters are going to be extra motivated this year to play at a higher level because they were just, they just didn't have a great team last year, and they were dealt a bad hand. So, I mean, some really excited things to be to, to be excited. If you're a Cutters fan or you're 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 a um, you're a Freeze fan, you're you're excited in two different ways. But I think you got to be excited with how the, the season is starting. Yeah, absolutely. News around the league: We had the Northeast Conference. Tony Smith takes down singles, and for doubles, Cameron D'Ambrosio and Frank Verona. So, congrats to them. 
Um, also, uh, we have the Australia Open coming up. Wally actually just left my house uh, yesterday. He stopped over here in Cali on his way. Um, Scott spent a little time with him. Uh, I know he's super pumped. Well, he's very nervous about the live stream equipment and getting it all there. And it's a long travel, but uh, excited to, to be there. That's going to be December 8th through 10th in Tweed Heads, Australia on the Gold Coast. Live coverage will be on ACL TV beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern Friday through 6 a.m. Saturday. So everybody get ready to switch your sleep schedules because you got to tune in. <laughs> There's going to be singles, doubles, and a pro exhibition. So we've got some pros traveling there. Uh, Trey, what do you want to to add here for the Australia Open? Yeah, well, first, let me just, you know, I think this is a lot of lot of awesome things to celebrate when it comes to the, the continued growth internationally. Uh, Todd Kosicki has, has done a great job of building ACL International to be something truly worldwide. And our new partner down in Australia, Daniel, Daniel Turner, he's just been, he's been great. Daniel's been um, able to build out uh, a really strong ACL Australia there. And we're, you know, we're, it's a small base right now, but traveling there, it's not as if everybody in the field is, is an American. Um, it's, there's, there's a good bit of Australian players out there and they're continuing to play cornhole more and more. And I think that's just exciting. And what I always say is it's that first event that opens up people's eyes. I remember going to the Niagara Falls Canadian Open, and for the first time, everybody's eyes just went, whoa. Mm -hmm. And it was just this incredible experience that propelled the growth in Canada. And, and I think the same thing can be said here for Australia. There's going to be these Australian players that are going to see it for the first time. They're going to see Mark Richards. They're going to see Tony Smith. And they're going to, you know, number one, number two, you know, players in the world. And, you know, their, their minds are just going to be blown by the level of talent that's going to be there. And I think that's really special. So um, just in general, I'm excited to kind of see the continued growth of, uh, of uh, ACL International and, and specifically ACL Australia. So that in future events, you know, if, if in a year from now we're back in Sydney, um, you know, or, or a different part of Australia, I really anticipate it to be even bigger and better this year. But uh, look at the registration list. It's definitely a smaller open, right? There's a, just under 50 players registered uh, competing in the event, but it's what you would expect for a first time international event. But we do have some top level talent going out there. Uh, you know, Mark Richards and Tony Smith, they're going to steal a lot of the headlines, right? And rightfully so. Anytime you have your two, two of your top players in the world traveling out to an event to, to check it out. Um, but then you also, I think, have some other, you know, unique names in there. Zach Stickney was a pro this past season. Sean Farrell has been a really big international traveler this year, um, or in, in the past few years. He's gone to a lot of the European events and now going to the Australia event. I really think Sean Farrell, you know, has an opportunity here, even in doubles with, with the partner he's playing with, you know, him and Stickney. I mean, they're going to have a chance to win this. Um, and then I think it's also exciting to also have Canadian representation. So, uh, Connor Weiss is going to be going out there. One of the top players in Canada. He's, he's flown out to Australia. He's going to be competing in the event. He'll be playing alongside pro Bobby Sperry. So the two of them, again, you're getting a good mix of players out there. Former pro Chris Tornatola, who is an elite player. He's going to be out there. So you have a really good solid base to kind of lead the way when it comes to, um, you know, showing a lot of these players in Australia, kind of how it's done at the top level. So, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, how the, the the players do out there. Really, just from a, 
you know, growing the game perspective rather than the X's and O's. I mean, certainly um, it'll be exciting to see Mark Richards. Uh, I believe this is his first international event. So um, we'll see if he can, he comes in and, and takes deal with the there. jet lag. Right. I mean, so he was flying there, I think two days ago, if I remember from Facebook. So he has what, like five, five or six days to get on the new time zone. I don't know. When's Tony going there? Is he already there? I'm I'm not sure when Tony's going. I know it's, the commission is going, and he I think he's like on the way now. I think he's leaving. Tony's he's on the same flight with Wally. They both flew out of L.A. Um, so they'll, Tony they'll... lives. Tony lives in their time zone. <laughs> he might. You're right. He's a, he's a night owl. It's I mean, but still to play video games and chill, Anthony, and play cornhole are like two different things. <laughs> yeah, it's a 15 hour difference. Yes. So. Yeah. It's it, where we're fit. We would, I think I did it. it was, we either, yeah, we have to add 15 hours. So right now it's like 4 a.m. there, which is just crazy. Um, yeah, but I mean, you look at the, the live stream time, right? So when they're streaming, so when they're playing and we are supposed to be watching here, it's 9 p.m. It's 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. that you guys are streaming the event. So that's the, right. the heart of the play. <laughs> yeah, it's like noon. I think, they, I think they're going to start around noon or whatever it is on yeah. Saturday. So we're like, we're going back in time. Like we're yeah. we're going to start watching on Friday, but what we're watching is Saturday coverage. Yep. It's going to be like traveling. this in, inception, you know, time travel. Yeah, Wally said he literally misses a day. Like, there, I forget if it's like Monday or Tuesday. It's just not going to exist on the yeah, planet. When you go out there, because you 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 go all the way out there and you lose all this time. Yeah, you a day disappears. But then when you come home, it's like... You gain a day. Yeah, it's like three hours difference. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> super long flight, but then it's like, wait a second, only three hours went by in yeah. like time or something like that. So it's just it's just weird. So crazy. Anthony, anything to add there for the Australia yeah. Open? I think it's going to be cool for all the pros. I know we got Tony Smith and Richards going out there, and they're going to be, mm-hmm. you know, the mega stars. But, you know, you've got, you know, Tornado out there. You've got Bobby Sperry, who, uh, you know, he goes back old school. You talked about um, Farrell. You know, I think these guys are going to feel a little bit of that uh, celebrity feel, too. I mean, I expect there's going to be a big gap in talent, like you were saying. And if if it's anything like it was for me, You know, the first time that I saw high level cornhole, I wanted more of that. So from a growth perspective, when you see these players doing things that you can't really comprehend uh, in the game, that really, in my mind, is I think that that's going to just promote more growth and it's people are going to talk about it more and they're going to want to get involved in it next time. But I think top to bottom, all those pros going out there are going to are going to feel what it's like a little bit to be a, a star in this in this in this sport. Bobby Sperry also has a history of doing well, like in Canada. So, you know, this is another international uh, open. So uh, we'll see if that stays true. Um, but cool Dude, that we do. Watch Sperry in, in uh, Weiss win this thing. I mean, right. I think Tony Smith and Mark yeah. Richards are teaming up with maybe some locals or, or just some, some other players. I'm not sure how those came about. But. Yeah. I think, I think lucky bags did some type of contest and then they, these people ah, want a contest. Like right. I'll say this much though. Denny Mallon is an elite player who is oh, playing okay. with Tony Smith. So, and okay. Denny has gone to a lot of these European events and done, and done quite well. So like, I think Smith and Mallon should be the favorites in my regard, in, in my eyes. Okay. But Weiss and Sperry will be up there. And I also think, like I said, Stickney and Farrell are probably going to be another top team that people got to watch out for. Yeah, okay. Sperry was a Sperry was a pro when I was a pro, and I got to watch him. You know, this dude fills the hole up. I watched him go head to head with Damon Dennis 
when Damon was at the top of his career back in like 1920, Sperry went head to head for like 30 something rounds. So everybody's good now, guys. Everybody's good. <laughs> so true. All right, let's go to buy or sell. I'll read you a line. You let me know if you buy or sell. Starting with you, Trey. Ethan Walker is now atop the list for breakout player of the year. Buy or sell? Yeah, um, I think it's a safe. I think this is the safest answer, right? So I'll say buy, you know, but at the same time, you got to do it in the pro events. That's where it makes the most difference. And the uphill battle that he's going to have is I believe he was still top 30. He finished around like 24, 25 in the rankings. So like for him to be 18th, right, is that a true breakout, right? It, to me, he's almost got to flirt with that top 10, which I think is going to be really, really difficult to do over the course of a pro season. It may be that he gets that much incrementally better and he can do that. For now, I'll buy it, but it wouldn't surprise me that if this season we see that breakout player actually be someone who was 100, 110th last year that makes that jump all the way into 30th, 35th of that nature. Curious to see what you say, Anthony. Buy now, you know, I'm, I'm really in the same boat. I mean, that logic is it's tough because – he was quietly one of the best players in the league last year. Um, and you've got these guys out there like Blaine Rozier that have a lot more positions to jump. Uh, do I think Blaine Rozier is going to uh, finish in a better position than Ethan Walker? No, not that's not going to happen. But could Blaine jump, you know, 30 spots, 35 spots from wherever he was? He could. Um, you've been talking about Kimbrell a lot. You know, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head where he finished. Um, but, you know, maybe that guy has the ability to jump 40 or 50 positions. Um, I'm going to sell just because of he doesn't really have much room to grow. And it would be more of a hot take to say that he finishes in a top eight, seven position. But I, I think it's coming maybe not this year, but next year. You think Blaine Roger fin finishes within 10 spots of Ethan Walker? He could. Uh, if Ethan, if Ethan finishes similar to last year, I do think Blaine could finish top 25. I do. The dude's right. hustling. The dude is hustling. Jordan and Power and Joe Neistead have now snuck into the top 10 in doubles. I, I, I wanted to buy this because I was high on them and their, their finish and how well they did. I just, look, if you're going to get into that top 10, I need to see it across multiple events. You need to, or borderline win something like, Great. I'm seeing positive. Now just keep doing it. And then you can get on my top 10. Cause right now my top 10 is out of, is no vacancy. I got no room for anybody. Okay. I tried to fit 15 people into my top 10 and I, I couldn't do it. So right now I'm going to hold them right outside the edge, but it's a good trend. I'm going to sell it for now. Anthony. Yeah. I'm going to sell as well. I'm really excited to see. I don't know if we can call Neistead back, but we know he was in a little bit of a funk and that happens where you kind of get into that rut or whatever's going on coming out and breaking out this way, I think is great. You know, hopefully this is a turnaround for him. I can't figure out Jordan powers ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster, man. It's crazy. Right. If you look it's at like, it's like Jamie Graham, like what the mm -hmm. hell what is Jamie Graham? Like, well, I don't, I can't comprehend Jamie Graham at all. I get, I get it. I mean, just, you, you look at what he did in doubles, right? 46 in a row. So there was what 11, four baggers in a row. His first match in singles, he loses to Soprenit. He threw nine rounds. He got one four-bagger. <laughs> he missed more bags than he made oh in God. that match. He lost something, I don't know, 21-2 or 21-4. <laughs> and he just came off a hot performance in doubles. I'm like, what, what 
what just happened? I got to sell. Caden Allen took back over top rookie considerations from Trader and Ellis. Yeah, finishing second, huge. Um, part of me wants to buy it, but I'm going to stick with a sell. I still like the position Ellis has put himself in. I know everybody's going to say trader, trader, trader. I, I can't argue with you too much. But again, I just almost go back to the it factor, right? I see Ellis and I see something there. And on a day in which Mark Richards was literally unbeatable, I mean, there's no other way to put it. He was unbeatable at that open. Ellis gave him everything that he could handle. To me, I still give pole position to Jeremiah Ellis. And Allen, I actually would say, is passed a little bit on Trader, um, to be honest with you. I, I would say Ellis, Allen, Trader right now. I still need to see Sammy Soto go to win one of these Opens and see him compete before I figure out where he lays amongst all of them. So right now, I'm going to sell it. Anthony? This Rookie of the Year run is going to be badass. Um, you know, the recency thing is tough. You know, we can't forget Trader goes out and wins – that open the way that he did and the, the size of that open comes back, wins a bracket. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Ellis doing what he did. Like you were saying, Caden Allen has been doing what he's doing for all last year. This mm -hmm. isn't nothing new. So we know he's in the discussion. And then I think this weekend, uh, apologies if I'm wrong. I thought I saw a post where Soto goes out and beats JBJ to win a big tournament this weekend. I believe that's right. So it's like, now you got Soto who's beating, you know, the guy that won a, a doubles and a singles national championship at the same national. So this run is going to be tough. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sell right now, but I tell you what, um, Ellis and trader, I I'm reversed on you. Trey, I think trader has the advantage right now, but Ellis, Allen Soto, all right on the heels. It's going to be a race. You're still worried about Devin Harbaugh's ability to finish. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying. I'm jumping in there. I'm buying. Buy. Stamp it. I, I'm still going to sell. Whoa. Um, I, I, I don't. It'd be different if I saw something that was happening, right? I'm not seeing a trend of something happening. Honestly, if we want to talk about not finishing, I'm almost a little bit more worried about Tony Smith than I am Devin Harbaugh because I see something different mentally with Tony Smith. With Devin Harbaugh, I mean, I'm talking about a guy that just lost to Caden Allen 21-20. I'm not talking about someone that completely fell apart. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not as worried about it right now. Um, it's still it's still early. I mean, yeah, if there's a trend continues, we should be worried about it, but I'm not worried about it right now. It's a disappointment if the Florida Freeze don't finish the year as the top pro team. I'll buy it. The team on paper is disgusting. The team should win. This is a team that – this is an NFL team that hit the salary cap the right way at the right time. They brought the right players in. They got, they're they built to win now. They need to win now. And I think this is a team that top to bottom is the deepest in the league. I think it's disappointment if they're not number one. Anthony? I agreed. If you ask Florida Freeze, they're going to say the same thing. It's going to be a disappointment. But let me clarify on the Devin Harbaugh one. It's it's weird. It's not because of a talent. Like you were saying, Trey, it's not because of a, a mental thing or a talent thing. I think it's like, if there's a such thing, I don't believe in it, but it's like bad luck or like <laughs> jinx or something. Like 
He pissed off the cornhole gods. Jinxed, yes. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, Poor Devin. All right. And you're buying on the team, uh, Florida Freeze? Yes. All right. Getting into the pro team power rankings. So uh, you guys are both going to give your beginning season power rankings of pro teams, uh, not doubles, just top 10. Trey? Yeah, so teams. So pro teams here. Uh, number one, we just talked about it. I got Florida Freeze, number one. Uh, they, they, they look just that good, and they are that good. Um, so I got them at number one here on my top ten. Number two, I have the Pennsylvania Ringers, the reigning champs. They brought back a lot of the same pieces. They add a little bit of depth here. I think overall this is still a really, really solid team. Missing Jacob Foreman from last year, that's going to be a little bit of a step back. But for the most part, I like the pieces that they brought back. Number three, the Missouri Mays. This is another lineup that is stacked. I could argue they could be number one if they didn't have to give up Gavin Cano through that offseason. But in the end, they do pick up people like Alex Hicks. They do have still those, those really, really core uh, top players. Ryan Windsor leading the team. This is a team that made it all the way to the end uh, this past season. I think this is a team that's set up again, and they just recently picked up Austin Renard, who found his way back into the division. That adds another layer of depth. I think the Mays are really, really good. Number four, I have the Arizona Burn. Anthony talked statistically about this team being one of the best, if not the best statistically. They were there at the end last year. They recently did just lose Florentino Mendoza, who's stepping away for health reasons. They do have to fill that gap. However, I still think it's a team that top to bottom is going to look really, really impressive. And so that's why I keep them in that top four. Wouldn't shock me if they're back there in the semifinals again. Number five, the Texas Bully Baggers. Normally, I get a little bit frustrated when a team goes out and tries to fill team players from their region specifically. But in this case, I think it's really worked out. When you talk about A.J. Sims being able to play with Braden Wilson, when you talk about the reigning world champs, Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson being able to play together, I really think you add some pieces like a Cameron Kingfisher as well as some other great draft picks, even someone like a Rosie Streaker, who is always criminally underrated, she's going to come in, run a lot of bags, and be a high contributor for the team. I really think the Texas Bully Baggers will be a team that could contend for that top spot in the national conference. Uh, number six, I had the Cali Slingers. I loved the trades that they went out and acquired, Philip Lopez Jr. and Kyle Malone. I didn't think they had to give up a ton in order to get those two picks. A lot hinges, I've said previously, on Logan Hall. Can he contribute? But overall, I really like the slingers from top to bottom, and you still got Tony Smith. Seven, Ohio Aviators. This is a team that's solid top to bottom. Still got some holes for me. I like some things. They were able to acquire Gavin Cano. Um, they were acquire, able to some of these teams. I think they'll be solid. I just need to see high levels. I'll finish up 8, 9, 10. Kentucky Colonels, New England Woodchucks. And you know what? They earned it. Put my Virginia Cutters in there at number 10. They earned They earned sitting there at number 10. I left out the Carolina Coasters. Coasters, get your stuff together because right uh -oh. now the Coasters <laughs> earned taking that 10 spot away from you. I really like what Jimmy Humes is doing with the Woodchucks. I hated giving away Kyle Malone, but they did pick up Ellis in that first round, which was going to be a good one. So I go Colonels, Woodchucks, Cutters at 8, 9, 10. Anthony. What's yours? Yeah, Florida Freeze, obviously. Stack team, all Florida strong. I like the ability to be able to mix partnerships in that one. There's a lot of chemistry amongst all the players on that Florida team. They have options of moving that around 
and a lot of proven championships on broadcast. So I think there's going to be a lot of confidence getting on TV when it matters. Um, uh, the two, three position, I have them really close. Uh, you know, we've got the aviators and the bully baggers, uh, for me, I think with the, the bully baggers are looking really, really strong right now. Grindersley, Batson, Sims, Turpin to start off your, your, uh, your top four. You got a Braden Wilson coming in that they picked it up high in the draft. And I think Ernest Cisneros, which isn't a name most people know, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of him. I kind of feel like they have a little bit of an edge over the aviators. Now, you know, Trey Burstfield, I just, I'd like to see Trey Birchfield winning brackets, uh, ending up in final fours. Noah Almanza up and down. You know, I, I we talked cornhole, committed pro pro players. You know, this guy's out there, I think, building his education, doing the college thing. Um, I just don't know if he's putting as much time into the game. I'd love to have that conversation with him, though. At the four, I have the burn. I really like the leadership on this one. And statistically, like you were saying, Trey, Lopez, Zaft, Holland, Reynolds kind of lead off the top four. I really liked what, what I saw, how they made, they put a lot of thought in how they were putting the partnerships together, how they were ordering those matchups, a lot of thought there. And I think that's going to come into play five, six, seven, uh, really close to me. Slingers, ringers, maze, uh, the ringers, you know, look really tough out of the gate. You got Harbaugh, JBJ, Creek killer. Uh, I think Brady Foster about halfway down the roster is going to prove that he's a really good player in this league. Trip Baker, I think, is an improving player. Uh, and then on the slinger side, you know, uh, Corey Gilbert at the two spot, he was, you know, kind of your 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 six that came back. I just don't know what I'm going to get out of a, a Corey Gilbert. I do like what Williams is showing as an improving player. Kyle Malone and Logan Hall on that team. Most people won't know Logan Hall, but be prepared. I think this guy is going to do a lot of work. Uh, for this squad. And you mentioned the reasons for the Missouri maze. I won't get into that again. Um, out of those three at that five, six, seven, I do like the maze. I think the most, uh, again, proven, proven what they did last year. Ethan Walker's on that squad. I think is going to outplay his fourth position. Vincent Frisch coming out of the PDC. He's further down the roster. I think he's going to do a lot of work. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Juwan Smith. We talked about him coming out of the, uh, the rookie showcase, kind of some of the results, some of the matchups he's seeing, some of the matches he's losing. I think he should be winning those. So I'm really curious to see what Juwan Smith looks like uh, in the pro division. At the eight, I got the Woodchucks. It's it's what I feel like every time Jimmy Humans uh, puts a team together, they're always going to do better than where I put them. I think that there's just more strategy deeper than what we can see. But Jacob Trzinski is playing like a top 10 player. He's in their two spot. What's Storm Ho going to give us? I think that's kind of why I'm falling down a little bit. I did rank them before I saw Alec Ryan's performance because before going into this weekend, where's Alec Ryan? Well, there he is. Um, so that gives them a little bit more. Um, Michael Lucas Jr. Um, made some made some moves this weekend, but also had some bad moments in the tournament. I just don't know what we're going to get, but they do have Jeremiah Ellis uh, on that team. So I think that's going to keep them strong. 9-10 is really close for me. High rollers and timber. You know, looking at those rosters, you know, it was Yeti Irwan who was at the top, kind of the captain of that squad. If you look to the other side, Tanner Halbert was the captain of that squad. So I think they're winning that right out of the gate. Then you go King, Hisner, Doss for the timber, whereas the rollers, I go Thorne, Cody Henderson, Eric Zockline. The high rollers, I think, are going to get the nod on this one. Um, for me, it's really going to take the bottom of the timber to really show out uh, to really hold that top 10 spot. And that's like a Connie Altice, 
Um, like when she came into the league and was throwing plus tens all the time, that Caleb Medenka kid needs to show out. Um, you know, I think he was maybe looks like eight or nine down the list. I think he has the ability to play like a five or six person in that roster. So I'm going to go high rollers, nine timber 10. There you have it. Time for hot takes. Trey, you got one. Yeah, I got one. I think Tony Smith is going to be able to best Mark Richards because he's used to staying up at 3 a.m. And Mark Richards is not from the jet lag. Tony <laughs> Smith sweeps the Australia Open in singles. He wins it alongside Denny Mallon in doubles. Okay, going for the sweep. Anthony. All right, I'm going to go with Ethan Walker on the hot take only because this is where I predict him to be not this season, but next season. Again, following that trend of coming from the 40th something position to a top player in the league. I think that this year, hot take, right? I think he's going to be a inside inside seven in singles this year. Wow. Woo, smoking hot. All right, for the Australia Open, uh, I said it before, I'm going with uh, Bobby Sperry and Connor Weiss. I think that they uh, love that international travel, and I think that they uh, will show out. But it's tough out there with Tony Smith and Mark Richards. All right, guys, that's all we got time for. Uh, make sure you tune into the cornhole. Uh, swap your sleep schedule. Get whatever you got to do, and we'll <laughs> see you there. Thanks for joining us.